This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. You're hearing my voice. This is Brendan. That means Corey is not with me today. I see Luke and Ryan are smiling. I have a lot of pressure because Luke is usually doing this. Corey and I have been doing our show for many years now. So I have leading experience, Luke. This is not my first time. No, I can uh, tell. Maybe okay, good. It's been maybe like five years since I've done this with other uh-huh. you know people here, but a lot of pressure to live up to. Corey's having a minor medical procedure. He's on painkillers. I thought about bringing Corey on, but I thought you know what? He would just be talking about John Lester the entire time right. on these payments. So it would have been good have, social content though, like, now, like 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 watching him be all loopy on yeah, that's video. A, and I, stuff. I wanted him to do it. He's the one who didn't want to do it. So <laughs> no. you know. now with HIPAA laws, can we mention that he's having his wisdom teeth out or not? Yes. Oh, it's a little late. It's a little late. Too late. So I guess late I guess now. for mentioning he had his wisdom teeth out, I just actually sent him a, a message <laughs> on Slack, and he was saying, "Hey, thanks for you know helping out." And I said. I had my wisdom teeth out, and all I remember is coming out of the surgery, they were cut out, right? Yeah. I just puked blood everywhere. Ugh. That's all I mean. It was nice. miserable. So you don't want him doing that. I don't know how his went down, how many were taken out. You don't want to have your wisdom teeth out. Would have been good show. content, though. Yeah. Well, I want to see a picture of him with those puffy cheeks, you know? That that I would, then on that, I would like to see. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can get that. Um but yeah, so you know, Luke, like you and Corey had your moment, holding hands, right. skating. This is our moment. In Wrigley, this is our moment. Ryan's been on the show. Ryan and I went out in San Diego together. We had our moment. Oh, right. Cody's been on the show. Jerry's been on the show for like many years, actually. You have not been on our show yet. So this is our moment. I'm glad Corey's not here. That way you and I can have a special moment. Right, and, and we're having <laughs> it still in 2022. We didn't want to wait for the whole new year to have our moment. And I feel like even though you're remote, we could we could almost have our moment like through the camera. Very right? intimate. I know. It's very. I'm I'm very I'm, like Ryan's kind of third wheeling here. I feel like yeah, a but, little uh, bit, okay. a little bit. But little I wanted bit. a chaperone. Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. So here's a breakdown of the show. So we're going to be talking about corner infield and DH projections, kind of leading off what you guys talked about on Wednesday uh, with Trey Mancini still being available, Evan Longoria still being available, and. Putting that into context of what the Cubs currently have projected and what the team would look like, let's say, if they don't go forward with getting two of those guys on the free agent market. Then we'll talk about some Nico extension in the context of the Sean Murphy extension with the Braves. And we'll finish up looking at the remainder free agent pitching market, but more specifically looking towards the back end of the rotation and seeing how when February comes, which is right around the corner, who may get that first shot at that five spot and what our feelings are for that five spot, given some of the injuries and some development for some of the other guys. So getting right into it, uh, steamer projections are out. Zips projections are out. Honestly, there's always like a question of which projection system is better. To me, there's like, there's very little difference. Like there's still a large degree of error. I just look at the steamer projections. I'm gonna be reading these off today. And I want to get your over-under on just six guys for home runs and then talk about, of the six, your confidence in those individual guys and what your feelings are if you want to go and sign someone or just like stay stagnant with the current group. So here we, here we have this. So Matt Mervis, 22 home runs, a 123 WRC+. Plus. To me, that's you know pretty high when I, when I read that. Evan Longoria... 17 homers, and even 100 WRC+. plus. Nelson Velasquez for DH or outfield, but predominantly DH right now. 12 homers, 96 WRC+. plus. Christopher Morrell, 19 homers, 105 WRC+. plus. Bellinger, 18 homers, 97 WRC+. Plus. And then Trey Mancini, free agent, 20 homers, 107 WRC+. Plus. We'll start with Matt Mervis, Luke, your take, 22 homers, 100 WRC, or 123 WRC plus. Do you know what WRC plus even well, is? That's, I, I was just gonna, I was gonna stop you right there. <laughs> okay. First of all, we need to identify whatever you're talking about for the old guy. <laughs> now I know that people are big on WRC plus uh, as as a, one of the new. I'm I'm still in the old age with, you know, batting average. I know that war is very important to people. I know WRC plus like a hundred is, I know that 100 is average. 
So yeah. the guy is 123. He's 23% better than the average player, something like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, what I don't understand is how is WRC plus, which is weighted runs created, created how, how is yeah. that different than war? What, what's the difference between war, F4, and WRC well, War plus? takes into account defense, too. Exactly. Yeah. And WRC plus is just offensive and like where they play, the ballpark, all that stuff. Exactly. I mean, you have more down than I think you give yourself credit for. So, I mean, so like why, WRC. Why would people, so, so war is more important than WRC plus. Well, I wouldn't put like an importance connotation to either one. It's, well, it I depends am. on what you want to talk about. All right. For, for, <laughs> okay. for you, uh, if, like if you look at Fangraph's war, right, that's okay. based on defense ultimate zone rating. So it's not based on outs above average, which a lot, of, you're looking at Ryan over there. You like, lost me already. I don't know. Even <laughs> you're the one who brought about. up war. I'm going to stick okay, to WRC+. Okay. Plus. I'm sorry. For <laughs> for those in the in the podcast listening world out there that are like me yeah. and not still, listen, I'm on board with the stats. I just don't no. fully understand all of this. I'm telling you right now, this is it's, not your typical Corey and Brendan podcast. No, the, no. The, the, the loyal listeners I, that have I been apologize. with them. It comes since related <laughs> fans. I apologize because... You have a senior citizen on your hands, and I just want to clarify what the hell is WRC plus? How is it different than F four war? And and I understand that they are important. I just don't know what they really are. All right. Okay. So I mean, have you heard of weighted on base average? Yes. Woba. 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 Yeah. I didn't know that was Woba, but I knew. Okay, it's the same concept. So what it does is it tries to assign a run value to a home run to a triple, double, okay. single, walk. And it's a little, like, think of it like slugging percentage, yep. just scaled a little bit differently. So for example, a home run by weight on base average is about two times more valuable than getting on base. That's okay. it. So where a slugging percentage, it's four times as valuable. So it's not as scaled appropriately compared to weighted on base average. Wait, uh, now, uh, uh, runs created plus is basically that same concept. The numbers are just transformed a little bit to interpret it based on league average. That's it. So when we talk about WRC plus for Mervis of 123, that means he's going to hit enough home runs, enough doubles, walk a certain amount of time to sum up a 123 WRC plus or 23% more runs than your average guy. So it's okay. basically a better version of like slugging percentage. It's that's what I was going to ask. More so, projectable. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So as a data doctor yourself, <laughs> if you were going into these stats, the last question I'm going to ask about this and we'll get into it. Yeah. If you were picking one stat to identify the offensive ability of a player, offensive production of a player, would you be looking at their WOBA? their slugging percentage or their WRC plus first. Which one are you going to, Brendan Miller? Which one are you going to first if you want to say, I want to see if this guy's any good at the plate? I look, I don't even look at any of those. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> looks at OPS, on base plus he goes, slug. I do. he goes straight I do. to the heat maps. He goes straight to I, the heat maps. Sometimes I do. I go to, if you want to get into the nitty gritty for like 30 seconds here, sure. I go into contact rates. And I go to uh, isolated power and home run rate. Ryan, don't be don't be doing that. I'm like used That's to great. Corey doing that. I don't need you doing that either. That's but right. I look like for example, you look at like uh, stay out of Anthony, this, Ryan. This is our moment. Yeah. You're right. This you know this I'm is our moment. looking at you. Leave Ryan out but, of this for a second. But you look at like Juan Soto, right? Juan okay. Soto does not swing at any bad pitches. He makes a ton of contact and he hits the ball super far. So those are rare to see. One player typically has just one of those three traits. So if you look now at Matt Mervis, maybe you can criticize him for not being the most disciplined. Uh, you can criticize him for not having maybe the highest contact rate. And you can even criticize him for not having the best power compared to some other guys. But for, for me, if you want to just pick like one over-encompassing statistic just to look at right away, WRC Plus is going to be the easiest to interpret because WOBA does change on a year-to-year -year basis. Like the average WOBA changes, but weighted runs created plus scales that number to the league's current weighted on base average. So it doesn't really change the interpretation from year to year. Okay. All right. What do you think so, is better, OPS or WOBA? WOBA for sure. Okay. 
I still like OPS. OPS. Now, see that? For I know sure. that Carlos Correa said that too. He's a he's a Woba guy too. I didn't know what it, I didn't know what he was talking about. There you but go. I, yeah. I've heard that he had said that. Um, there you go. All right. So your your initial question. I sorry for derailing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Mervis, twenty two home runs, WRC plus of one twenty three. Now both of those sound super awesome to me, right? <laughs> like if I'm just if I'm a Cubs fan looking at that and that's the prediction, I would love to see those numbers come true. I would not put my money down on those numbers being true because you just do not know what to expect. While he's made this major leap at the minor league system, you don't know what the transition is going to be for a guy going from minor league baseball to major league baseball. To say, to say he's going to be 23% better than the average major league bat, right, which is the WRC+, plus. Yeah, that, that seems very optimistic. Like It doesn't mean it can't happen, but I don't know if you want to bank on that Every day, I, I think it's a dangerous thing to bank on that. At twenty-two home runs, also would be if he can get enough plate appearances. The twenty-two home runs doesn't sound crazy to me yeah. because I see what Morrell did last season, and clearly Mervis is more of a home run hitter than Christopher Morrell. But he would have to get the playing time that Morrell received in his first major league season yeah. to get to yeah. that number. So that's why I would say be careful with the Mervis numbers. I'm optimistic too because of the great season. I'm just saying I think it would be dangerous for the Cubs not to add another person at first base. Maybe if it's Mancini for a year or two, whatever that whoever that person might be, because I think just counting on Mervis and or a platoon with Patrick Wisdom might be a little bit dangerous. Yeah, I I – if I'm picking straight up right here, you know, like I have to pick it or like. Are you going over like or under what that prediction right. is? I'm going to go under on yeah, Mervis. I, I would go yeah. under on the. I don't even know how to predict like over-unders <laughs> on WRC+. Plus. Um, and, but Ryan, it's but, not because of him, right? Like no. it's not because what we've seen out of Mervis. It's because of what you expect yeah. out of a rookie that's making the jump to the major league well, level. It's what you expect out of a rookie, one, but it's also we've talked about so much how the Cubs are interested in first baseman because you know, as a platoon for Matt Mervis to help him acclimate to the big leagues uh, at his own pace. So, like you kind of talked about, will he even get the at-bats to you know have a chance at reaching 22 home runs? I mean, sure, he could come up and have just a crazy power surge, but you can't expect that, um, and especially if they – Give him, you know, his breaks and and time to really get, you know, acclimate to MLB at his own pace. I I would just say under solely on on factors that are outside of his control, um, factors that uh, historically don't let guys reach those kind of home run totals because if they're not getting the the the, the amount of at bats and they're rookies jumping to the major leagues for the first time, I mean that I mean the the predictions or the projections seem a little more optimistic to me than what I would say. Um, if he hits 22 home runs and has a 123 WRC plus, Win. that's an awesome rookie <laughs> season for him. Um, I just don't know that I'm sitting here on December 20, I guess December 29th, but when you're listening to this, December 30th, um, I'm, I don't know that I'm sitting here today thinking that he'll hit those numbers. That's what you want from Trey Mancini. Like if Mancini hits that, then that's ideal. Like oh, yeah. the reason Mervis's numbers are so, like these are really good projections, right? So you see this right away, you're skeptical. So I'm taking the under in that too. And the question is why are the projections so good? They're so good because his AAA numbers are phenomenal. His contact rate, strikeout rate is 15%. Mm-hmm. He hit 15 home runs in 240 plate appearances. He also went through the system fast, put up a similar stat line in double A as well. So when these projections are made, how they work is they find similar historical players, especially in the minors. And then they apply a little bit of an age curve to it. And in the past, prospects like Mervis who have that type of strikeout rate, that type of power, they're among the best in the league. So Mervis, his numbers are with people who have had great careers, and that's why you're seeing from a rookie numbers so high. But then you have to consider the context. Why is Mervis doing so well? Is it because he's just a little bit older for the league? Is it some type of randomness? That's kind of hard to tell. So for me, I'm going to take the under on that. 22 home runs. Rookie has never faced major league pitching. Went through an unorthodox system. So for me, 
little bit a little bit too optimistic, and I think it's just because from those historical players. Now for Mancini, 20 homers, 107 WRC plus. Luke, would you take the over on that? Uh, I think I'd I'd be more likely to take the over just because I think he still has good baseball left in him. I I think people put too much into the failures he had in the postseason. Like I know he didn't have a great season, but he was the comeback player of the year in 21 coming off of his cancer and then last last season wasn't as good so I could see him I could see him recapturing some of that anybody can have a bad offseason anybody can go one for the postseason right like I meant postseason not offseason any anybody can do that and he is an experienced major leaguer who has shown you that uh, he can overcome adversity whether it's off the field or on the field so that's somebody that I usually will have confidence in. Now, it could end up being exactly the opposite, right? Like, it could be that Mancini, wherever he's at, doesn't have a good season, and Matt Mervis gives you maybe not Chris Bryant numbers, but again, remember, like, no Cubs prospect that has had an offensive season in the minors like Matt Mervis since Chris Bryant did it. So I'm not saying he's going to be Chris Bryant. He's certainly not listed as a prospect level of Chris Bryant, but he has shown you minor league success. I still think if you were going to put money down on it like Cody would probably, I would say the more likely bet to have a meet those expectations for over under, I would say Mancini is more likely to be over than Mervis. I'm I'm going to play it a little differently because – I guess I don't want to assume that the Cubs get Trey Mancini, but yeah, the I'm reason the, the reason we're team. doing it is because the reason we're mentioning Trey Mancini is because he's so involved in these rumors with the Cubs. Right. Yeah. So and he'd be a good platoon option too. I'm, I'm going to go about it assuming the Cubs do sign Trey Mancini, and if they do sign Trey Mancini at some point, then then here you go. Like my my predictions may become a little more accurate. I'm going to go under. Solely because of the the Mancini Mervis platoon split that we'd be expecting at first okay. base, and I know they would probably also have a lot of time playing at DH when the other one's playing at first base. I get that, um, but there's other players that will need to DH at points, which means those two players will spend time on the bench while other players you know play and have the chance to play. So if we're looking at this platoon split between the two of them, right. that's that's the reason why I I went under on Mervis's home runs. And I, I would maybe not so far under for Mancini, but I think maybe he, he gets to like 18 or so home runs and doesn't quite reach that 20 home run threshold solely because of that platoon spit, which which obviously is going to take away his uh, at-bats for him, from him and what he can do in 2020. I think Ryan's on to something. Brendan, I, because I can't help myself, I'm going to turn it around on you. It, with the host in my brain, I just looked at that and I thought to myself, wait a second. I just picked the over, but now when I really look at it, if they were both on the same team, that same prediction would be telling you the Cubs would be producing 42 home runs out of their first baseman next year. Yeah. Uh, that seems optimistic. 40, like we're, we're, we keep saying, where are they going to get the power from? According to that, they, they say the over-under is set at 20 and one is 22, correct? 42 home runs out of Cubs first baseman? <laughs> Somebody's going under. Somebody's going under because if they get 42 home runs out of first base, this team is going to the postseason. Yeah, we're going to the World Series. That happens, right? <laughs> like, like if you look at the steamer projections, you get 600 plate appearances for Mancini, 400, about 450 for Mervis. That's not going to happen, right? So if you do get Mancini, you have to take the under on it. Uh, then again, you never know what happens with the DH spot. You don't know if Nelson Velasquez mm-hmm. is going to be involved in trades. You don't know what's going to happen with Cody Bellinger, that maybe he shifts over to first base more often. You just you just never know with these guys. But with that said, you look at Nelson Velasquez. You look at Cody Bellinger. We can group these two guys together right now. Nelson Velasquez, 12 home runs, 96 WRC+. plus. Bellinger, 18 homers, 97 WRC+. plus. So basically the same number as Nelson Velasquez, just in more plate appearances. Do you take the over-under on that WRC plus? Basically, you're asking yourself, do you think Bellinger or Velasquez is more likely to be better than league average? And Cody Bellinger, the, the thing is like that is for him expecting a huge jump from where he'd been the last couple of seasons. I think he had a better season, if I'm not mistaken, this year 
Uh, he had 83 WRC plus compared to 47 in 2021. Um, I, if I'm picking one, I, I, I'd probably have to go Bellinger. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think I go Bellinger. I think, you know, maybe a change of scenery, as cliche as that is, does help players, and he feels like a candidate that maybe just the time in Los Angeles is wearing out and and getting a new philosophy of hitting, a new uh, you know hitting. Uh, infrastructure, just being in Chicago, a different place, a fresh start like that may really help him more than we want to give it credit. Um, as far as Nelson Velasquez, like he didn't have a great 2022, a great rookie season. I don't remember exactly what his 20, uh, 2022 uh, WRC plus was at. I can look it up real quick. Um, but something tells me he may spend a lot of time in AAA, you know, like not even spend a lot of time at the major league level to improve on what he had in 2022. Um, he ended up with an 87 WRC plus. So not good. And that you're expecting a jump uh, from him to a more, more of a league average type number. Um, I, I, I get the feeling that with the way this outfield is shaping up and the, you know, the hitters they have coming in and if they sign a guy like Trey Mancini or whoever it might be, they're not that he's the odd man out, but it may do, him a service for Nelson to just kind of go back down to triple a and really get back to the, the hitter that he had been in the minor leagues. Cause he was a really good hitter down there. Um, and he just didn't discover that, uh, his first year in the majors, maybe it's still possible and maybe spending a lot of the season in triple a rediscovering that form is, is what's going to get him back to that level. I, I would agree that I think, Bellinger, out of all, all the players we've actually talked about so far for over-under, I would say Bellinger is the most likely guy to recapture something closer for over based on the fact of what he's done, how long he's been in the big leagues. And don't forget, the Cubs hitting coach is a guy that was in the Dodgers organization when Bellinger was at his very best, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a guy that was speaking to Bellinger about hitting when he was at his peak, he's shown us that he can be way better than a 100 WRC plus. Mm-hmm. I always believe that there's a better chance that somebody will recapture that than somebody that's never been there before. I think so. If you look at Nelson's numbers, the contact rate, 64%, bottom fifth percentile of the league. So for Nelson to have success... He needs to improve that. And if he does not, he needs to slug like your top 5% of guys in the league. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shown the ability to do that yet. He's a big guy. He's had success at the AAA level, especially in the Arizona Fall League. He won the MVP in 2021 in the AFL. He has that in him. To Ryan's point, it's do they give him a chance to do that at the big league level or do they make him just do it at AAA? Or do they use him as a trade piece for maybe – you know, you guys talked about Rafael Devers in a, in a perfect world, or maybe some of the Marlins pitchers who might still be available. We don't know yet. It's tough to say. And I'm kind of with you guys too, with Bellinger. He's had the most bizarre career trajectory in like my fandom's life. MVP to the absolute like worst for so many peripherals. 43 WRC plus. 43, when like, you said that, I just kind of went, I mean, it's insane. So it's this is, this is kind of a tough one, but I'm going to go with the at least precedence of being like pretty good, you know, MVP. And for Nelson, it's hard to improve that contact rate when it's that low. Guys have done it. Patrick Wisdom did it uh, last season. Javi Baez was the worst like ever in 2014. We all know how, how, how that went. So it is possible. It just takes a unique guy to do it. And I'm not sure if Nelson can do it at this point. Yeah. Now, last guys or last two guys here, third base or center field for Christopher Morrell. 19 home runs, 105 WRC plus. Evan Longoria, 17 homers, even 100 WRC plus. Presumably Longoria at third base, maybe DH. Morrell presumably splitting time with Wisdom at third base. Spelling, Bellinger in center field. Also perhaps uh, shifting around when Nico and Dansmi need a break. Of those two guys, again, Morrell, 19 homers, 105 WRC plus. Longoria, 17 homers, 100 RBRC plus. Which would you feel more comfortable going over on those projections? 
And Luke, we'll go with you first. Gosh, I for me, this one is almost a wash, right? I think I feel like for me, I could just go either guy based on my previous comments about the, the choices. Everybody would suggest that I would likely say Longoria because he's been there and he's done it before. Morrell, the second half of the season, you saw his numbers. Uh, you'd be better at this than I would, Brendan, but I know statistically he certainly wasn't as good at hitting in the second half of the season as he was early when he adjustments fluctuated. were. Yeah. He fluctuated for sure. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as solid the second half. So in that way, I would say I should be saying Longoria, but something in my heartstrings and gut tells me that we're underestimating Morell a little bit. Yep. Like 22, he kind of burst onto the scene last year. We just talked about this in yesterday's podcast. Was he a total unknown? No, but he certainly wasn't thought of as a top five prospect. He wasn't thought of as a guy that was going to come up and put up the kind of numbers he did. And I do think his versatility allows him to try and work through some of those slumps a little bit more because he can play multiple positions. Whereas if yep. Longoria is struggling and he were on the Cubs, you're not moving him all over the place, right? Not nearly as much as Morrell. So yeah. I'm going to actually flip the script on this one, go against myself and say something in my gut says Christopher Morrell is the guy I would go with the over. Yeah, that's where I was at too. Um, so it was, what was it 19 and 107? Yep. Um, in 2022, he hit 16 home runs and 425 plate appearances, had a 108 WRC+. And as Luke said, that's in a season where you saw him fluctuate a lot in what he was doing well and what he was doing poorly. And you know, he had that 32.2% strikeout rate. And you're looking – the reason I pick him is you're looking at a guy who's 23 years old, I believe, going on 24. Uh, yeah, 24 in June. He'll be 24 in June. Um, so he's 23 years old. He's a guy that has a most of a year of experience now in the big leagues at that young age. He knows what he needs to work on. And I, you know, having talked to Morrell and seeing his work ethic, I believe he's going to spend most of this offseason, if not every last second of it, working on those things that he did poorly last year. Yeah, um, sure. So you're looking at a guy who's go only getting closer to his prime. He has a full year of experience knowing what he needs to work on. And those projections aren't that far off from what he did last year. Yeah. It's three more home runs and raising his WRC plus by a percent, right? So I see I see him, if not, I, I don't even see, yeah, I don't see him just meeting those. I, I see him, uh, you know, being better than that. Maybe the home runs might be a little more difficult solely based on his playing time and how he, how, you know, his plate appearances are, are doled out to him as far as is he playing third base today is he playing center field is he going to dh is he on the bench right that may that may affect his home run um total um but as far as wrc plus goes i think he has a good shot to exceed that uh, that 107 projection i'm pretty confident with this one i would go uh morale not even like thinking twice about it Longoria gonna be 38 his contact rate is going down year by year for example, three years ago, contact rate 80%, following year 76%, last year 72%. He's older. He's not getting consistent playing time in terms of being a daily guy. He just got 300 plate appearances last year and the year before. To me, this signals a lot of volatility. Most guys at that age don't survive in the league. And you're seeing hints of that given the sparse playing time coupled with the rapidly declining contact rate. Morell, I think, is an outlier. He kind of fits that Javi mold. Not like Javi is the outlier, but Morell is in that category where he made 63% contact. But as we were saying with Velasquez, he produced really good power. So he was in like the top, um, I think, like 20th percentile, maybe even higher for power in the league. And he's just rapidly changed his career trajectory. No one predicted him to be that successful last year. He can move around the diamond. He, at times, battled leadoff for a good portion of his early days with the Cubs, and he looked good doing it, taking pitches, looking patient. The overall chase rate didn't end up being what I thought it could be. Um, it was around average. So he has room to grow, but to me, it just signals he's his outlier that you can't really project him with any type of confidence. But 
the high portion of his projection curve could be really good. And I hope he does get playing time. I'm just curious about it. I don't know what the Cubs will do in, in free agency and trade-wise, but it, there's a side of me that does want to see what they do uh, with his playing time. I, I do want to see that. And then one last point here, then we'll do our ad break. Luke, you want to say something before we go? Well, I, I have one stat that you may not have looked into, and this is something yeah. you should probably check out. Morell's SW. RC plus is like 198, which is very high. Smiles, weighted, runs, created plus. Very important. He's, he's, he's like almost 100% better than your average Weighted player. smiles, created plus. I weighted smiles. Yes. He's, he's I, I agree. I thought you were going to say like Stucky weighted runs, no. created plus. I like, like Delmetrics. <laughs> smiles but, uh, weighted. Smiles weighted. Delmetrics. Well, Delmetrics like says that he has like, he's in the top five percentile. For vibes. The 95th percentile in vibes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I like it. Okay, so. All right, so quick little segment here. Go into our ad break, come back out, and we'll expand upon it. But Brian Smith over at Bleacher Nation posed a tweet that, of course, got my attention. And the tweet asked, what is the likelihood or what do you think – like, do you think Nico Horner could eventually, not next season, but eventually, hit over 18 home runs? And, of course, most of Cubs Twitter is like, yeah. So 58% of Cubs Twitter said, yes, Nico can hit over 18 home runs. I love Nico Horner. I actually said he would hit fewer than 18 home runs. <gasps> I know. I'm, I think it's definitely possible, but he's worked so hard. And the fact that we're having this discussion is emblematic of his attitude and work ethic. I love him. His swing plane just lends better to line drives, Hard hit balls on the ground, high batting average, slugging, 10 to 12 home runs in that territory. I wouldn't be surprised per se, but I don't think it's likely to happen. Yeah. I When I look at it, I mean, in looking at his numbers, like his barrel rate, 2.6%. Um, his hard hit rate. His hard hit was, a little, was better, obviously, in terms of like league average, 32.9%. But that's still, that's still below what his last two seasons were before 2022. Um, that barrel rate doesn't doesn't strike me as one that's like he's gonna be smoking the ball over the, the fence. Um, his launch angle was his highest of his career, ten point seven degrees. Um, he had his highest max exit velocity, one hundred nine point seven miles per hour. Um, he has, I guess, skills that could, like you said, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if he did get that in a season. Um, it's just not. It's not. I don't know the the likelihood. I, I would definitely put it below fifty percent that he does it. You know, I would. Yeah. I would say he's more likely to not reach that than he is to, than he has to uh, hit. But it be it would be nineteen home runs, I guess. Um, just solely based on that's not the player he is. You know. I think you guys are assuming something that is dangerous. You're assuming his swing plane and his launch angle <laughs> and all those things will stay the same his entire career. Sure. That's very unlikely. Guys make swing adjustments every single season. Yeah. So if and he, he comes ha- back and with he a has already swing moved, and launch so angle, right he, I still think he's a guy that can hit 20 home runs at some point in his career. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I want it noted right here on the CHGO Cubs podcast that on December 30th of 2022, Brendan Miller and Ryan Herrera doubted Nico Horner. No, 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 no. Don't put, don't that, put that, those put that, words put in my mouth. Put that down in the archives. Well, here, don't here, we're saying, I, I'm not saying you that. You doubted that he could hit? No. no. I don't that's, want this ever attached home runs. That's not it. My, my thinking is, if I'm betting money on this, if I'm betting my entire house on Nico wow. Horner hitting 18, or over 18 home runs in a, in a season in his career, I'm probably betting that he won't. Because even though I think he could do it, I, again, I say the likelihood that he does do it is is less so than than the other way around. Just because that's not the hitter he is, can he become that hitter? Sure, Thank you. but we have to see it first before I can truly put stock in the fact that, that he may Nico be it. That is Nico. Um, no, before I, I can I, truly, I don't, d- I don't doubt you, Nico. <laughs> I don't doubt. I believe I in know. you. You're good enough, and doggone it, people like you. I don't know, Brendan. That, you're you're seeing what I'm saying, though, right? You know, we're sure. kind of on the same wavelength. For sure. I'm not it, betting it, my house, but I'm not betting my house on anything. Well, we're betting our house on this yeah. right now. Yeah. We're be- but I'm not, I'm not betting my house on anything. We're betting the house that, on that's it right ludicrous. now. We're you're not that confident then, Luke. Yeah, if we're not going to bet your confident. house. Sounds yeah. like you're doubting I'm him. I'm more confident that he will get to 19 home runs than he won't get to 19 home runs, but not enough to bet my house on it. Sounds like you're doubting him, Luke. 
No, a little no bit, doubt. little bit. That's, so we're on the same, we're on the same wavelength, Ryan. It's like I can see it happening. To your point, Luke, he can keep continuing to progress that launch angle. He already has last season. He elevated more pitches, lower in the zone, which is encouraging. Dansby Swanson did the same thing. He saw Dansby's power go up. So it is possible. It's just for someone as rigid as Nico and his offensive profile, you typically never see that. But he could be an outlier as well. You just, you never know. All right, this would be the time. Just save this moment. Let's yeah. clip this. Everybody. Yeah, Luke, Don't Luke wouldn't bet his house on Nico. Attached. Yeah, clip that part. Yeah. This would be the time Corey would be screaming at me, do the ads, do the ads, do the ads. Yeah. And so I'm going to do the ads, and then we'll come back out, finish off a little bit about Nico in an extension context, and then move on to the pitching. So first break here from a sponsor, Shady Rays. They never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone in every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand New pair, no questions asked. If you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them. But even with that strong other protection program, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you holding in my hands seem just as good as any expensive pair that I have ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed, and they have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and they do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Second break here for a sponsor, GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, like the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's now possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You will not find a better deal of the season on Bulls games, Blackhawks games, Bears games, upcoming Cubs games, spring trainings right around the corner. You know that this app is created by the fans for the fans, for the fans, which means you are guaranteed the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description below. You can join over 15 million people who've downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Okay. So going back to that Nico uh, segment, Sean Murphy, you guys touched on it in your previous show. Sean Murphy extended six years, $73 million. Got me thinking, Nico extension. We heard some rumors about it. We even heard Jed saying this is the type of player you want to lock up last September. So some people have tried to expect what an extension would look like. And there's some, you know, movement on in terms of what people want to do with Nico. Some people want to just let him go through arbitration, see how good he actually is. Maybe the one-year sample is not enough for some people. But right now, I think you can assume Nico at six years, 80 million would be a good like barometer. And then you go above it, you go below it. That kind of seems to be where fans are sitting right now. For me, I extend Nico at you know, six years, 80 million to me is like a no-brainer. But for- I would go six years, eighty million plus Luke's house to get Nico Horner. There you go. That's so, a that that's a lot of money for a guy that's not going to hit you eighteen home runs for the way you guys believe. Now, uh, based uh, on the fact that I believe Nico Horner is going to hit eighteen plus home runs next year. And by the way, if you break oh, next your, year, if you break your shady rays next season, overzealously celebrating the nineteenth home run of the season by Nico Horner, they'll replace him. No questions asked. There you go. And and so I would say, first of all, I believe they should extend him. I'm not somebody that thinks they should. It's an interesting conversation. Jared and I were talking uh, before a podcast this week, and we were talking about this exact same thing. And I said, well, obviously, the Bodie version of this didn't work out for the Cubs, but it was only $15 million. 
Then you look at some that the White Sox have done, and they may regret regret the Moncada deal. They may regret uh, Eloy Jimenez. They may they may regret more than that. So there's there's three or four of them that they may regret. But at, at the same time, when you look at what the market just gave shortstops, seven for one seventy seven for Dansby, and you look at this and say, well, you could lock up Nico and get him for eighty. Is that the number you said? Yeah, yeah eighty. I believe, as I do, that he's going to be a guy that can hit close to 20 home runs. Well, then I would say absolutely if the Cubs got that offer and Nico looked at it, I, 100% I would let him sign it. I would offer him that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, that scene, that feels like, despite the fact that he's going to be a second baseman now that Danzy Swanson is on the Cubs, he, he's a shortstop and he would get paid like yes. shortstops on the market, right? Like teams that would want a shortstop would look at Nico Horner if he hit free agency and say, that could be our shortstop of the future. He did it for a year. He's really good. Uh, maybe, you know, who knows what happens with Dansby uh, and, and maybe Nico spends more time at shortstop than we than we think moving forward. Um, but that's six years, $80 million. To me, I, I don't know. Like it, it feels like the way, with the way we saw the shortstop market go, might he be looking for something more? Especially this offseason, well, if, if they want to get that extension done this offseason the cut on the Cubs side, and Nico knowing how good of a season he did have uh, in twenty twenty two, might he be seeking more? I uh, might might he be seeking a longer contract, considering those first three years are only going through his arbitration, and by the top, by the end of this contract, he'd be thirty one. Um, I mean, I guess he'd still be techno. I guess he'd be thirty two at that point, so he'd ste- technically still be at the end of his prime. But then at that point, it's kind of like, oh, like. You know, they don't. People don't want to play, or uh, teams don't want to pay guys at the back end of their prime for what they did before that. You know, right? It's a weird dynamic to me. I it I, is. It's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I would just very briefly say I feel more here. comfortable giving those types of extensions and deals to guys exactly like Nico, the guy that you know will outwork everybody on the yeah. team. Will will show up every day and make the adjustments and work hard at it. It, it didn't work out like the contract with Hayward didn't work out, but he is a guy that they felt comfortable giving that to. Again, it didn't work out, but they felt comfortable for one reason, because he's a worker. He's a worker. He's not going to – you knew you weren't with Jason Hayward going to get that deal and get a guy who was going to loaf it for six-plus years, right? And that's the way I feel about Nico. He's shown me this slope going up. I like it, and he's not a guy that I know is going to take that money and then just show up and not do the work. That's I'm, all you can ask for. I'm fully with you. That's that's why I would give it in, in a heartbeat. The the way arbitration is going right now, you can project Nico around $25 million in total arbitration over the next three years, which means in that six-year contract of $80 million, you're basically paying for three years of around $60 million total okay. in free agency. That comes out to be $20 million per year in annual average value. So now the question is, what is the likelihood he can sustain this type of value three years post-arbitration? The defensive ceiling has already been reached with Nico. He was like the 100th percentile for second base defense and right behind Dansby number two and shortstop outs above average last season. That alone should give you almost your total value on defense alone. Then you consider the offense. Does he continue to be above the league average offensively? Contact rate, one of the best. He's progressed his launch angle power. You would bet your house on 18 home runs, Luke, for Nico Horner. So, you know, I think this is a no-brainer. He wouldn't bet Not betting my house on anything. Um, I I guess guess when you look at it that way, you are overpaying a little bit for – uh, his arbitration years versus what he'd probably get in arbitration. You might be overpaying exactly. a little bit. But this um, is the so time maybe, to do it from the Cubs' perspective. Yeah. They have all this flexibility in their payroll. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I guess when you look at it from that perspective, the, the the number makes sense. I just, I don't, I, I don't like projecting what guys might get on contracts and, and what guys might ask for because we're not in those negotiation rooms. I'm not in Nico's yeah. head. Like, I don't know how many years he might want. I don't know what his agent is telling him he should seek. I don't know if his agent's telling him, uh, no, let's hit free agency before you, you know, 
for let, let's see what we can get in free agency before you sign a contract. I, I don't know what is happening in his head and his and you know in the his size war room in the Cubs size war room. So projecting six for eighty. If I'm yeah, if I'm Jed and Nico accepts that, I'm giving that to him <laughs> tomorrow today. I'm giving it to him yesterday. Uh, I just yeah. don't know what Nico on Nico's side what he is looking for and if that's enough to to you know get him to sign a a long term extension like that. You have to think too that he's staying at second base. He is indirectly kind of taking a value cut. If he were to stay in his to sustain his value a shortstop, if he were to wait for free agency, given the market, he probably would make more money. So you can look at Nico being the ultimate team player, but also too looking at from the Cubs' perspective, they may be able to save a little bit of money in arbitration or post free agency because they have Dansby at shortstop and they mm-hmm. keep Nico at second base. Unfortunately for Nico, that might, I don't know if it will, but it might lower his overall value as a result. I'm just curious what you think as the pitch doctor, this morphed into when we talked briefly about it a couple days ago, uh, Justin Steele, I threw out, is it too early to even consider throwing a similar type extension out to Justin Steele? Now, he's a guy, I think it's not till 2028 that his arbitration, so you got a long period of time and he's older. Yeah. So I don't know if it makes sense for the Cubs, but it's interesting because, again, you see what pitchers are getting even into their mid-30s these days. Does it make sense to roll the dice on something that – because if I was was him, if I was Justin Steele, that is a thing I'd be interested in because he knows that his career span started late. Yeah. Right? So for him, that might make sense. Just make sure I get that bag of (laughs) – 60 70 million dollars know that i've got that to live on for for generations i'll take that over the huge payday and playing it out with the uncertainty i just don't know if it makes sense for the cubs to even dabble in that what do you think about that for a pitcher that is tricky because he's not arb eligible until the 2025 season he has had a weird career trajectory where he's rapidly changed his pitch preferences, the way some of his pitches move a little bit. So there is more volatility compared to Nico and that coupled with Nico being closer to free agency, it is maybe a little uncomfortable to give out an extension for Steele. But then again, to your point, you see the market, the Cubs might have a better degree of confidence in his projections longer term, and you may be able to cut a deal kind of like Bodie where you you give him his money up front because Bodie, kind of like Steele, was a little bit further along his age in terms of getting this type of value compared to most guys in the past, it might make sense from the Cubs' perspective. I'm, I'm for it. I'm not going to give maybe $60 million to Steele right. Okay. Uh, right away. What but- would be a number you would think about? Like, I agree, you're not going to go 80, 85, anything like that, but enough to entice him? I would give him maybe... Th- off the top of my head, I'll give him like 30 to 40 mil, you know? I think I, like... I for sure would. Yeah. I for sure would, just when you see the price of pitching right now. It's kind of somewhere in between the the Rizzo extension from many years ago, 40 million for seven years, the Bodie extension in five years, 15 million, you factor in inflation, more money in the league. I think Steele kind of fits, of course, in between those two guys, way better than Bodie from projection, maybe not as good as Rizzo for projections. Um, and given the, the pitching influx in the league, you know, 30 to 40 million seems to be a fair uh, rate. And I think from the Cubs perspective, given what we've seen, what they're able to do with these guys, that seems to be pretty fair to me. Yeah, I don't think the Cubs really entertain that while he's still pre-arb when they control what he makes the next two years. They get, they've got a lot yeah. of time. I, I think maybe once he reach arbitration, they might maybe have that discussion, but you got a couple of years where the Cubs aren't, aren't looking at Justin Steele's extension as a priority. In my opinion, I lean towards it's early. If it was Steele, it's something I'd be at least throwing out to them. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. It just doesn't really fit the Cubs' mold for pitchers. We've seen yeah. it fit the mold for hitters, but for pitchers, this is uncharted territory because they haven't been able to develop any pitchers in mm-hmm. like the better part of 12 years. Uh, so this would be that's, uncharted territory. That's true. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the pitching. Luke, do you want to do the, the ad break here, and then we'll move on to the pitching? Oh, yeah. Sure. sure. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Uh, Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco. Has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north side, south side, hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. 
Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for that perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight the Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all your non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. You want me to do DraftKings too? Sure. Let's do it. Do DraftKings too. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season and the action is far from over. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Looking forward to the TCU, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. Those four teams, I think, are right where they should be at this point in the season. I still think it'll be Georgia against Michigan, and I hope Michigan can finally get it done for the Big Ten. Right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everybody can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with the same DraftKings same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code CHGO and new customers place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if your team does. That's code CHGO, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I mean, if you look, you mentioned the college football uh, playoff. Georgia's minus 125. Michigan plus 290. Ohio State plus 350. TCU plus 1,800. A lot of juice on TCU, so if they somehow upset the nation, you might win a lot of money if you bet on them. There you go. You might. All right. So back here to those pitchers. Right now, if you look at projections, you can also just not look at those and just it makes perfect sense who the top four guys would be in the rotation. In maybe no order, but Jamison Tyone, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley. After those four, you would imagine Kyle Hendricks gets that fifth spot given the veteran leadership and his track record and all that. Now you have Adrian Sampson, you have Hayden Wisniewski, Keegan Thompson, Javier Saad, Caleb Killian, perhaps, even going a little bit deeper if you want to get crazy. Jordan Wicks is there. Uh, Ben Brown has been developing. Those guys are not in this conversation per se, but perhaps maybe by July, August, September, they, they could be. But opening spring training, if you had to pick right now in that five spot who you want to see get the first shot, is it Kyle Hendricks? Is it Adrian Sampson? Or is it Hayden Wisniewski? What would you say, Ryan? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Joey wanted me to say hi. Tell you hi, Joey. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get a chance. To how jo- Joey? How are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you can, oh, can we show it. Joey real quick? Yeah, I want to show see, Joey. Put Joey, Joey on camera. Be shown? Show. Didn't know if he was ever going to do another Cub show. show Joey. Joey. Hey, Brendan, you look great. That you look great too, Joey. <laughs> you sound great, and the stats and the heat maps and it's all great <laughs> the graphs As, you know even better than usual it you're makes teaching, me feel good thank you joey stucky you know hey, which you know is, what joey i'm going to teach you about wrc plus after this there we go. i was listening there you go. i was listening and i just think you know and holiday season share your knowledge with others so there, we go. there you go you i appreciate that, that. Uh, nice so, shirt by the way <laughs> happy new year so back to uh i i'm going with with hendrix as that fifth guy um, because you have Tyon, Stroman, Steele locked in. Smiley, I assume, is probably being re-signed to be in the rotation. Um, and Hendricks, I mean, I talked to Tommy Hadovy at the end of the season. Uh, and this is assuming health. Uh, but Tommy said, you know, as long as Kyle Hendricks is healthy, Kyle Hendricks is, is in the rotation. He's a starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. That kind of thing. Uh, and I assume, again, assuming health, that that's where the Cubs stay and Kyle Hendricks will get that fifth spot. Um not saying that he's going to be locked in the rotation the entire season. If he struggles, I can see them moving, uh, going in a different direction. Uh, but I think the way, just I think he's earned that spot to, to begin the year. As long as he's healthy, he's done enough in his career to earn that spot, earn that shot, and see if he can kind of rediscover that form he had pre twenty twenty one. As far as the other guys, uh, you know, guys like Samson, Alzali, and Keegan, those guys will all be. Um, the multi-inning relievers, in my opinion. I think that's where the Cubs have him. That's where the Cubs like him. Uh, there'll be multi-inning guys can come in, spot start, do what they need to do, um, and go from there. For guys like Wesneski and Assad, I can see them starting the season in AAA. I could, start, I could see them uh, you know, 
being put down there to stay on a starter schedule so that when when injuries happen, as they inevitably will, those guys are already on a starter schedule, can come up, go right into the rotation, and start to build on what they did last year. Um, you know, Hayden Wisniewski had a great month. Uh, Javier Assad was impressive out of nowhere. Um, but I, I think with the depth the Cubs have at the major league level right now, it may it may better serve those guys to you know allow them to stick in AAA and keep developing as starting pitchers uh, for when the time comes that they do need do they do get that call back up and need to fill in in the rotation. Hear me now, and believe me now, that if he is on the Cubs, has not been traded, okay, and he is healthy, there is zero percent chance that Kyle Hendricks is not in the yes. Cubs rotation. Zero point zero 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 zero. He absolutely will be at least your number five starter if he's healthy and he's on the Cubs roster. Now, if one of those two things doesn't happen, if he's been traded or if he's just not quite right at the end of spring training still for some reason, then you think about who the other number five would be, okay? And I'm torn on that. I could say it could be Samson if he's pitching in spring training, he's doing some of the things he did last year. Because I believe... Personally, I'd rather see it be Wesneski. That's who I would like to see it be if he has a good spring. But I still have something in me that I think they like the way they handled Thompson and Steele last year and and the last two years and kind of eased them into the reliever role, long relief, get some starts. And I think that's what they'd like to do with Wesneski. Maybe it's AAA, but I think there's a real good possibility he starts with the team out of camp in the Justin Steele role at the beginning of last season, right? Like in that same way to be Thompson and Steele still kind of easing their way into starts if something becomes available. Yeah, I can see that. That's what I think. I I don't know if it'll be true, but I don't think there's any scenario where Kyle Hendricks is healthy and on the Cubs and and he's not in the rotation. I don't think that scenario exists. You know, with Nate Valdi gone, Corey Kluber gone, some people even thought maybe Rich Hill might be a target for the Cubs. This seems to be the path they're taking. Ideally, you want top-shelf ace-type pitching. That is not going to happen unless they get crazy with a trade. For me, Kyle Hendricks has such a long track record, and the reason he was not successful last year, I can't shake the idea that how his injury may have just been the driving factor to that. His changeup whiff rate was higher, but he was still getting hit harder. And my thinking was in 2021, when he was not doing as well either, his changeup was just not good. It was just not doing well. It was doing better last season, even with some of those shoulder injuries. I'm curious. He has a new throwing program. Uh, Ryan and I, this one of our favorite stores we worked on, perhaps in the future. Yeah. Perhaps in the future, Ryan was talking to Tommy Hadevi and Kyle that maybe a breaking pitch, like a slider might be in his pitching repertoire. I'm wondering if that's a thing they're going to work on, even in that pitch uh, throwing program this offseason. Maybe not because he's still injured. But you just can't count him out. And he, if he has command, if his changeup is still good, I, I don't see how he can't be at least league average or close to it. Um, so, I mean, that that's my thinking. But at the same time, like Hayden Wisniewski does intrigue me. I, I think he's going to get eased in and get the first opportunity, kind of like what happened with Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson last season. But to me, like you, Luke, you got to give it to Hendricks. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more that could be gained from having Hendricks get that first chance. Of every scenario we have thrown out in mm-hmm. this podcast, if I had to pick one that I'm most confident in, it would be that Kyle Hendricks will be better than average this season. Ooh. That's it, a big one. If, if you're saying, you if you're saying more than, <laughs> more than more, no, not to bet my house on, but okay. uh, more than Nico hitting 18 home runs, more than any of the comparisons of Mervis hitting 22, any of those, if you tell me that you're not going to get at least average out of Kyle Hendricks, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, that's the that's the sidebar to it. If he's healthy, I believe it. He's already in a throwing program. The thing I don't necessarily believe is that they're working on trying to increase his velocity. I don't know how that happens, but if they do it, they're miracle workers. I, I'd bet my house on Kyle, healthy Kyle starting the opening day in the rotation. Yeah. 
Well, you don't I'm, own a house, so that's easy for well, you to say. But there you go. <laughs> you know? I bet I mean, we, we yes, bet your house. Right? That's, fair. that's fair. That's fair. All right. Would you bet your car? Yeah. You would bet wow. your car that Kyle that, Hendricks. That going into the season, Kyle Hendricks is healthy. He will be in the opening day rotation. I would bet my car on it. I wouldn't even do that. Well, I'm not a gambler like <laughs> not you. Not that confident. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, this has been fun, <laughs> Luke. I think. Year. I know, I know. I think we had our moment. I feel good about this. I feel I good how it went. Ryan's always good talking with you. Uh, Corey's going to laugh, I think, at some of the content we have here. Uh, he's probably going to laugh even more because he's on painkillers right now. But this is what we have. Our last podcast of 2022 is crazy. This is wrapping up, I think, like my seventh year doing this. This is wrapping up our first year CSGO with you guys. I mean, we're like the number, we're, we are the number one Cubs podcast, number three peaking for total baseball podcast. We're going up. That's just what's happening. You, you see all of our diverse uh, opinions and perspectives at CSGO Cubs, Ryan and I, and our stories that we work together. It's been a fun year. And if you have the holiday money, you can always subscribe, become a diehard yes, at sir. CHGO. You can see premium content at 20% off some of the events we throw, like those tailgates. It's cold in Chicago and those tailgates for the Bears games, but looks pretty fun. I want to get out there one of these days. Uh, I think that might be a good idea with all that money. So with that being said, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for all your support over the years. We're looking forward to, uh, I hope it is a competitive Cubs season and we'll be back at it right away at the new year. So thank you for listening. As always, go Cubs. Happy New Year.